Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Man, I mean, we all have a first, don't we? We all have a first. We know what that's like. Well, we are so glad that you're in this space with us this morning. My name is Ben Chapman, and have the opportunity to be the lead pastor here at Luminous Church. And I just, I consider it an honor and a privilege, something that I'm not going to take lightly this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We're in a series called Amazing Grace. And how many of you know we just need some grace? How many of you need some grace for your spouse this morning? Need some grace for your kids? Some grace for your friendships this morning? Some grace, man. We just need some grace in this place. And we can rhyme that like 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 anything right now, like Dr. Seuss. So we should do that this morning. It'll be a lot of fun. Titus chapter 2, we're going to be there. And um, really excited just as we talk about what does a sanctifying grace mean for our lives and how does that going to be applicable for us to live uh, more godly that's what our our hearts desire if you came in this space whether whether you're far from god you don't know him yet you came to this space because you want you want just a little more jesus in your life you want to you want to figure out who he is you want to figure out is there meaning and purpose to my life Uh, is there a reason that there's breath in my lungs is there a reason that i have this mind to learn is there a reason that he put me into this into this place, this 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 moment? And so that's maybe why you're here this morning. For us who maybe been following Jesus for a long time, you're here because you just want you want to continue this walk with the community of believers as the Lord instructed, and you want you want to just not only learn more about him, but you want to know him more, right? It's one thing to learn information. It's another thing to actually know the person, right? Information gives you a little bit, but how many of you know that that we need to look at some of these characteristics, some of these mannerisms? Uh, It's so much easier knowing somebody face-to-face than over social media or Instagram or FaceTime or anything like that. Like when you're actually with them and you get to see their body language. And I'm telling you, you get to see a bit of Jesus this morning by the way people worshiped. You get to see Jesus this morning by, by the way we interacted with one another. You get to see Jesus in worship by, by the way that we just sang these songs and broke bread together and ate communion together. And I just, I love what God's doing in our church. I really do. I really love what Jesus is doing at Luminous. And I really believe that, that we try to create moments for you this morning to, to let you see Jesus more clearly in your life. That's why we do the specific songs that we do. It's why we do communion. It's why we do um, um, this moment of tithes and offerings. It's why we celebrate um, legends um, in past centuries and past decades because, because all of it moves us closer to him. And that's what we want. 
Well, I'm, I'm excited. Sanctifying grace. Some of you may have been looking for somebody else up here on stage this morning. So my friend Keaton Walls, our youth director, was going to preach this morning and then come find out that, that he, he had a horrible snowboarding accident, busted his knees up. I, I met with him to go over his, over his um, yeah, here's a picture. Wow, look at that. Look at that. It's bruised. They're swollen. Um, if, if, that, if that makes you stumble, all that skin right there, just look at the bruises, you know. And so it, it, he busted them bad. And so he, uh, he met with the doctor and he's just like, Pastor Ben, I can't, I can't preach. You know, I'm going to be up there limping. I'm already not very experienced and that's just going to make me more vulnerable. And I was like, it's sanctifying grace, baby. That's why you're up there. That's why you're up there. But um, y'all be praying for him. Y'all be praying for him. So as I, as I pick up on this sermon today, I, I just wanted to um, talk about a couple of things, and I want to give us three points from Titus chapter 2. But I also want to talk into um, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. So a lot of us have been praying and fasting, and so, so this is like the message before the message, because that's what happens when you have little sermon prep time, right? So it's the message before the message, and what is the Lord speaking? And I, I love Matthew 17 because it's this moment that we've all been in, and we're in a 21 days of fasting and prayer. We've been praying, we've been some of us not consuming um, social media. Some of us not consuming um, meals. Some of us have been doing all liquid fast. We've um, there was there was y'all check this out. The the first five days of the fast, we had these two guys who only did water for five days. For five days, you should see them. They look they look like toothpicks. And they lost every bit of weight, and they're just like shaking for the glory of God, you know, dehydrated. <laughs> Jesus is good. I'm like, man, come on, somebody. Come on. That's amazing. That's amazing. So we all, we're all participating in this fast because we want more of Jesus. And I want to remind us, because we have one week left. Um, um, many of us will break this fast Friday night. Some of us will, will carry on to Sunday. But I want to remind us of, of why we fast. Why we fast. And, and if you... I've been around our church, I threw out an acronym, and it says, uh, follow after spirit thinking. I did an acronym, follow after spirit thinking. That We would fast, as the scripture said, that we renew our mind with Christ. We renew our mind with Christ. I mean, thinking about putting on the helmet of salvation, that the battlefield is in the mind, that everything that you're going to struggle with in life, on, on this side of heaven, after being born again, is going to be right here in your mind. It's going to be in your mind. It's going to be every temptation that comes your way, every, everything that whets your appetite, everything that, that would um, entice you or induce you to doing something counter to him. And so in order to do that, we need to follow after spirit thinking. Matthew 17, verse 14. I didn't have you turn here, but you can take notes and write this down, maybe reference it later this week as um, we maybe meditate on this. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him, verse 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water, which already we see that's not a normal kind of seizure. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. In verse 17, Jesus said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I... I put up with you. Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? 
He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I heard this in a, a, a sermon that I was at at a conference, and he began to break down Matthew 17, 17 in a way that I haven't heard before. He says, uh, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? Linking it to fasting and prayer. And, and here's the thing is that uh, the, you, you unbelieving, unbelieving, this whole word is uh, unbelieving means that you're not connected with God. And that's what prayer and fasting does is prayer actually connects you with God. See, if you're unbelieving in this place, the, the more unbelieving we are, the, the, the more that we press into prayer and come into alignment and start to believe who he is. The second thing it says you perverse, unbelieving and perverse. Perverse means that we've made the world too big in our life. And we made, we made everything in the world too big. And so fasting actually rids the world inside of you and makes him a bigger in your life. You unbelieving and perverse generation. That's why we have to talk about this scripture of uh, that's why we pray and fast so that we would believe, be connected to him. And that we would fast to, so that we could hold to his ways and not the, the world's ways and the desires of the flesh. And so that's what we've been doing. And, and it's so true. Whatever you starve will die, but whatever you, whatever you feed will thrive. Whatever you starve will die. Whatever you feed will thrive. I'm telling you, our flesh is wanting to sneak up. It's going to want to gratify certain pleasures that are not pleasing to God. And if you don't starve those things, then what happens is they begin to grow. So you starve them and you start holding on to who Jesus is and, and start consuming who he is and you'll thrive. So this week, we've, uh, we have decided to do our prayer call that we did week one. And we, we did it at 6 a.m. Um, Monday through Friday. And I, I'm just opening up the prayer line this week. It's going to be at 6 a.m., 12 p.m. and 9 p.m. We have three times this week to get on the prayer call. It'll end Friday at 12 p.m. And I just encourage you, if you want to get on this prayer call and you just want to hear faith on a, on a line and you want somebody to come in agreement with you and we want to start praying through these things, then, and then just dial into this number. Everybody write this down. It'll be on, on social media or email or whatever, but it's 210-253-1921. Two one zero two five three nineteen. 21. We encourage you, invite you into that prayer call. We had over 50 people pray with us on that prayer call the first week. Believe in God for great things this week as we pray together. Well, let's, let's pray over God's word this morning. Father, we just love you. And Jesus, we just thank you for Titus. We just pray. Holy Spirit, that as we go after spirit thinking this morning, after we, we chase after Jesus and more of him in our lives and less of us. I, I thank you for John the Baptist who said, I must decrease and he must increase. That, that, that whatever platform that I'm trying to build, I just pray that it would decrease and that Jesus would be elevated and be the king of the platform that I lead. Whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in our, in our life group or our student ministry or wherever it may be, Lord Jesus, would you be the king of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we talked about justifying grace. And justifying grace was great because it gave this legal premise 
or, or this, uh, this ability to know our right positioning before the Father because of Jesus justified us. And because he justified us, that he, he took our place and now we're in right positioning. And now we're going to talk about sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace in this moment of Titus 2.11. It says this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no. Everybody say no. No. Whew, come on. To ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. If you're taking notes, the first thing that grace does is grace made visible. Grace was made visible by Jesus appearing on earth. Jesus appearing is what made grace visible. And when we hear the word grace, sometimes it feels like an uninvisible thing, right? Something that you feel or, or whatever. But, but grace is a person. Grace is Jesus. And the life that Jesus lived on this earth and the life of perfection that he gave to us and then he gave his life to us so that we could take up our life in him. It's just a beautiful thing what grace does grace is is when god appeared it's it's unmerited favor and you've heard that grace is this definition of unmerited favor that 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 it's just it's favor upon you in every way and and it's this moment of epiphany uh, the appeared right there is um this equivalent in the greek of uh, of a word that we get epiphany from that it just appeared and and that's what happened is just Jesus just appeared. And remember John 1? It says this in 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. It just appeared. Grace appeared. It's when Jesus took on flesh and he came and he, he started living this life. And it's amazing because grace was present in me before Jesus came, right? Grace was already present. He's already made a way for grace through him. But when he showed up, grace appeared and made a way for you and me. And I'm so thankful. And this leads us into an anticipatory appearance of Jesus, anticipating him for thousands of years, anticipating him. Do you ever anticipate anything in life? I love my my little girl. She's three, and and you know, for a three-year-old, you know, it, it's amazing what time is, and, and time has like a lot more significance, right? Because she hasn't lived that much, and and she's so excited for her birthday. Uh, can I get an amen, parents? It's like it's it's six months until your daughter's birthday, six months until your son's birthday, and they're already asking you for for the theme of the birthday party. You know, they're already they're already saying, "I want a unicorn birthday. I want the rainbows. I want it. I want it. I want just everybody feel happy and joyful." I'm so excited for my birthday, and how many of you know this is true? And then. 
the more you have, kind of the less you anticipate. Now, uh, maybe not. <laughs> Speaking, whoa, that's just me, okay? I'm like, 38, man, I don't, I don't want 38 birthdays, man. That's crazy. But, but for some reason, it's my, my daughter's just anticipating it. And she's talking about it, and she's planning it, and she pretends that her birthday's coming, and she's pretending inviting people to her birthday. I just, I want to tell you that, that grace should have the same anticipation in us, where we, we're so excited. We're already talking about it. We're already, we're already telling people. You realize that grace has appeared and it's going to appear to you. That grace will change your life. It's, it's something incredible and amazing. I, I think this is what we should do when it comes to these birthdays. But, but maybe we get birthday fatigue. Or, or, or how many of you plan a wedding in here? Anybody plan a wedding? Um, okay, that's everybody who's married should have planned some kind of wedding. I mean... But here's what happens. I, I do a lot of weddings, you know. As a pastor, I get to officiate a lot of weddings. And it's really a joy for me to sit up there and, and, and uh, on this altar and, and just begin to unite these two under a godly covenant. It's, it's so beautiful, so amazing. And, and what I've seen lately with, with Not.com, with, with wedding magazines, with all, everything else that's coming out, uh, you, you have these brides, and all of a sudden they start turning, like, green and shooting flames. It's like Bridezilla just coming out, and all of a sudden it's all about the details. And, and when it's 12 months into it, uh, uh, 10 months into it, they're like, man, I don't even want a wedding. Why are we even getting married? You know, let's just elope, right? And they, they, start, they start, like, whew. And I think sometimes we do this is this whole wedding fatigue, right? Some of us are like, man, that birthday was exhausting. I don't want to do another birthday like that. Simplify. And we get birthday fatigue. And, and I think sometimes in, in our cultures, we, we get a little grace fatigue. Well, well, we've heard about grace and we talked about grace so much, but we forget what the purpose of grace is. It's just like the bride may have forgot the purpose of the wedding. The purpose of the wedding isn't to host everybody. The person of the wedding is the covenant that they're about to enter into. It's about the vow that they're about to step into and I just want to tell you that grace you know you can get calls caught up and maybe get grace fatigue I mean another Max Licato book you know another Ben Chapman podcast another thing about grace is coming around you know and, and I just want to tell you that grace is powerful do not forget the meaning of grace that grace is what sanctifies us and makes us more like Jesus grace is the thing the gift that's given to us let's let's make it a very big deal Grace, it was about bringing salvation to all people. See, salvation was, was made available to all people, all people. Not that salvation came upon everybody, but it was available to everybody. And no longer a, a, just one chosen nation, but now it was available to every tribe, tongue, and language. It was available to Greek and Gentile. It was, it was made for black and white. It was made for all these different people groups that, that, that grace when he came and Jesus appeared, he was saying grace is for all people. It's a gift that's not just given for, for a certain type of people or a certain demographic or a certain ethnicity. It is given for everyone. Aren't you thankful for grace? 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who, is who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality 
to light through the gospel. I'm so thankful that that grace, it, it appeared. I mean, we see grace appear to Abraham. We see grace appear to Isaac and Jacob. We see grace appear beforehand. We see grace appear to Enoch. We see grace given over and over and over again. But now it has appeared in the person of Christ. And through Christ, we get to examine what this looks like. And it's a beautiful moment when grace appears and grace begins to speak. How many of you know that's true? It's like, it's like the gift, you know. You get the gift and you're like, what do I do? How do I do it? And then, you, you know, you turn it on and all of a sudden it starts moving. It starts dancing. It starts doing something really cool, you know. It's like unlocks like, you know, uh, just all the potential of, of Xbox Live or whatever it may be. And, and it does all this stuff. It like has this power. And that grace appeared, which was powerful as the gift. But then grace begins to speak. It begins to speak to us. And, and what does grace tell us? What does Jesus tell us? He says, I will not leave you as orphans. John 14, I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you and me, and I and you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That grace, when grace speaks, it's not just like um, just a little glass of water, right? It's like a water spigot. It's like something that he turns on and it just starts flooding you. It just starts flooding you and it doesn't turn off. That grace just starts, I covered that. I'll, I'll help you with that. I'm going to help you live with that. I've adopted you as a son. I'm not going to unadopt you. This ain't just a glass of water. This ain't an empty promise that you drink it and it's gone. No, it's a water spigot. It's just on full blast. It's all over you. It's just more of Jesus realizing that he has filled you and he lives in you. Amen. It's full blast. It's this moment, and, and sanctifying grace is this, this continual process of making us more like him, becoming more like him. It's this continuous process of being transformed into Christ Jesus. That's what sanctifying sanctification is, a continuing process of becoming more like him. And I love that. I love that because it's not about just the duty or the do's and don'ts. It's about the whole idea that Jesus is just going to give you more. Hey, you're going to be just like me. Hey, don't worry about that. Hey, don't define yourself by that one thing. I'm going to give you more grace. And I'm going to help you live more godly. And I'm going to turn on the faucet even louder. And it's going to be even stronger. Hey, don't worry. You think you're clean. Don't worry. I got that. I'm going to just wash that off of you. I'm going to wash that mud off your shoes that you've been walking in. Some of us walk in some mud, don't we? Maybe we've been walking in some ungodliness. We've been walking in some things that are not him. And he just say, I'm turning speaking on. Don't worry. I'm going to wash those brand new. My water is like, like, like you know, Mr. Clean. It's just going to get you. Grace, grace, grace. Martin Luther says this. There is no justification without sanctification. No forgiveness without the renewal of life. No real faith from which the fruits of new obedience do not grow. That justification has made a way for sanctification, and they go hand in hand. The second point, if you're writing, taking notes, and grace was made available. Grace was made available, and it's allowed us to get training. I have a question. We're going to get training somewhere in this life and how to live, how to parent, how to work in the marketplace, how to be a friend, how to, how to raise 
children, how to be a good dad, a good a good mother. We, we, we're going to need training. You're going to need training in one, two places. You're going to go to the world or you're going to go to the word. You're going to go to the world or you're going to go to the word. And which one do you want to be trained by? I'm going to tell you something. I, I don't want an MD doing surgery on me who got his degree in plumbing. How many of you know that's true? Like, I'm just so glad there's good training. Here's, here's some bad training. Check out this video. Just okay. First time is always hard. Does it get any easier? I'll let you know. Ah! No, the second time is just as scary. Have you ever worked with Dr. Francis? Oh yeah, he's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'm telling you, man, that's how the world is getting the training. The world is getting the training out. We'll figure it out. We'll, get, we'll figure it out. We'll just feel our way through it. Hey, hey, don't worry. I'm going to some unexplored territory, but don't worry. I, I got it. I'll figure it out. I'm going to tell you the word has been where you are and where you are going. Jesus has been in your present, and he's already been in your tomorrow. The word is the thing that will train you. So that you aren't just living okay, but you're living victoriously. Because grace allows us to live victoriously. Allows, grace allows us to live. And this amazing grace allow, enables us to live our present reality victoriously. Victoriously. We talked about augmented reality last week. And we talked about we want a real reality. But we don't just want a real reality. We want a victorious reality. How many of you want a victorious reality? You want the victory. Well, the victory has been paid for. You see, he has, he has your helper. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to come to you. To reveal to you all truth and all training. And everything you need for godliness. He has already positioned himself and you to come in alignment with that so you can live the life you were called to live. We don't need a bunch, of, a bunch of unbelievers wondering, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know how to guide them. I don't know wisdom. I love James. It says if you lack wisdom, just ask for it. And the God of all wisdom will supply to you the wisdom that you need in the current situation. He may put somebody around you and you, you didn't know that you were on that block in that neighborhood because your neighbor needed some wisdom and you were able to give it to them or vice versa. You needed some wisdom and you just found out that they were a spirit filled neighbor. They love Jesus. They have life group at their house every week. And then they bring you over and they say, I know exactly what you're going through. We went through that situation. Let's pray. This is how God has instructed me and taught me. I'm so thankful that he is the one who gives what we need. The last thing it does, number three, as we observe, is grace enables. Grace that enables is the grace that shows up is a sanctifying grace, grace that enables. My dad was a police officer for many years, and he did the campaign that we, we all are so familiar with, D.A.R.E to say no to drugs, you know, dare, y'all, y'all remember dare, anybody remember dare, say no to drugs, I mean, there was, all, there was all sorts of stuff, all sorts of marketing stuff all over our house, there was dare everywhere, I, I'm just gonna let you know, I never tried drugs in my entire life, I was like, man, I, I got it, I got it, say no to drugs, I understand it, 
Adair was enabling uh, uh, students to not fall into the pressures in their society, in their cultural society that they were in. It empowered them and gave them the ability to stand up towards peer pressure by the more that you would saturate an environment with this whole just say no then maybe these kids will choose to say no and I'm going to tell you that grace has brought out a, an environment around you to say no to the wrong things and to say yes to the right things it is it has enabled you to position you to be in a great place to say no, renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That There are so many things that are going to come against us. That our culture is creating and shaping culturally acceptable yeses, but not biblically acceptable. It's happening throughout our culture, then all of a sudden, uh, um, it's okay to say yes to these things and live this life. It's okay to do these things. It's okay. Our society is giving you free reign, free permission over all of your lustful passions and desires. It's giving you free reign. And unless we train ourselves in the word of God, we're not going to be able to say no to ungodliness. In fact, the word would say this. If you don't train yourself in grace, you'll actually give in to those worldly passions. That you will. You're Flesh, it has a propensity to sin, a propensity to sin. The battlefield's in the mind. Your mind has a propensity to self-talk, to do ungodly things. Whatever, and, and what happens is you build your own theology and your own doctrine and the way that you walk because you didn't train yourself well. Paul's instructing us. There's a grace that justifies you and puts you in right position. But there's also his same grace is coming to sanctify you, to make you more like him so that you can start saying yes to the right things. Yes to the right things. That we need to live in this place of saying yes. That we live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Self-controlled. How many of you know that it's going to take a lot of training? It's going to take a lot of grace, a lot of sanctifying grace to come over me and start living self-control. Can I tell you how many times I stepped in the dog poop? I've stepped in the dog poop a lot of times. Okay, let me make it more real. We just, we just built a house in the country, and there's deer poop everywhere. Everywhere there's deer poop. It's all over the place, and it's all in the front yard. We were hosting a Christmas party for our directors, and they came over, and, and we were just loving on them. And, and, and the smart ones, it was the teenagers, went around the yard on the sidewalk and walked through the sidewalk. The, the unwise ones decided to walk and take the shortcut through the yard. Well, I'm just telling you, the yard has a bunch of bombs in it. It has a bunch of deer bombs just waiting for them. And there they are, they're walking through, and I go, man, you should go around. I can't tell you how much deer poops out there. You know what that same person did when they left? They took the shortest route to the van, and they went right through the dog poop and the deer poop and all that stuff. And I'm like, sorry. Sorry about you. Well, you know, it's just true. It's like a dog that returns to his vomit. He's a foolish person. We only become wise through the word. Wisdom. Because I'm telling you, we're going to repeat 
bad behaviors. I, I, I think it's, that's why we care so much about this younger generation, our college students, our youth who are meeting right now. We care about them because they haven't lived a lot of life yet. See, when you don't live a lot of life, then when you get a hold of the word of God, you aren't trying to help all these behaviors and habits that you have built up for 25, 30, 40 years. See, sanctifying grace will come to the 40-year-old, will come to the 70-year-old. Sanctifying grace is going to come. It's going to show you. It's going to move. But I'm going to tell you that, that it's sanctifying grace is a lot easier with a 12-year-old. When a 12-year-old gets on fire for Jesus and, and hasn't clicked on something yet, hasn't marinated on a screen for hours at a time, hasn't done these things, what begins to happen, right? You get, you get to move him already to his destiny, already to his purpose. My pastor always said this, if you can help it, get married young. Because the older you wait, the longer you wait, the more set in your ways you are. I mean, no, that's true. When you're 40 and you're getting married, maybe we need to extend marriage prep for you because you got a lot of bad behaviors. You, you, this is a certain way I like the dishes, certain way I like the laundry. This is how I do my toothbrush. No, I don't squeeze the toothpaste right there. I squeeze it on the bottom. Why do you squeeze it up there? All those things. And it's just harder. It's just harder. But sanctifying grace, I'm telling you, it can reach you when you're 40. It can reach you when you're 30, but, man, we care about our students because if we can reach them there, then, then the training is a little easier, right? The training is the slate's a little cleaner. We don't, we don't have to go, oh, oh, no, 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 that wasn't godly, you know? Oh, no, that's not godly. We just say, no, this is godly. This is what it is. This is who Jesus is. It's amazing what the Lord does. Grace. Grace has allowed us to say yes to say yes to the right things, a self-controlled life, an upright life, a godly life. And then lastly, we see Titus 2, 13 to 14. Waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That in his amazing grace, that it transforms our eternity, but also starts changing our reality even now. His amazing grace moves us into a place of, of moving into a place of who he wants us to be, who he's called us to be, how he has called us to live. It's an amazing thing to realize that we will be glorified fully with him. And the process starts today. Today, we're becoming more like Jesus. Today, because of his grace, we're able to be sanctified in every way. Would you stand with me this morning as I just begin to pray over you? In every, in every service, we have people who are born again, Christians, confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and have surrendered, and they've taken up their cross, their cross of self-denial to follow after God. And I want to encourage you in this moment that in this, in this world, there's so many things that are tempting you. But go back to his word and stay in his word and watch how his sanctifying grace starts renewing you and changing your palate for the things that are most satisfying. To be with him is the most satisfying thing.
We remember it. We know it. Let us do that. If you want my bowing your head and closing your eyes. For those who are not born again and have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, I want to just invite you into a life that is so worth living. It's so worth living. And every time, every Sunday we meet like this, we give you an opportunity to respond to what Jesus has done for you, that he lived a perfect life, one that we could not live, and he died a horrific death on a cross, the one that you and I deserve to die for offending a holy God. And he took our place as a great exchange upon the cross, and he says, I, you don't have to die, I will die. He was buried, and three days later, he rose from, from the grave, proving that he can give life to all those who are dead. Proving that he is the son of God. Proving that he was the lamb who could take away the sins. Your sins and wash you clean. And you never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. But you want to today and you want to receive his grace. His justifying grace. Which puts you in a right place with God. But also his sanctifying grace. That makes you more like him while you live on the earth. If you've never done that, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you? If that's you in this room and you're just like, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Secondly, for those who have just have a hard time living in this training that God's given us. And we just find ourselves going back to the familiar, back to the old life, back to the old ways. And we just need to be reminded that sanctifying grace will wash us clean every day it's going to wash us clean today and whatever we came in with whatever baggage there was whatever guilt there was whatever offense there was that it's going to wash you clean and you just need to i just need to be reminded of his sanctifying grace this morning would you raise your hand so i can just pray for you this morning father all around the room hands raised god i just thank you jesus for your sanctifying grace lord jesus there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus romans 8 1 says so i just break off fear i break off condemnation i break off guilt lord jesus i pray that you turn on the spigot of grace this morning for everybody in here that they are loved that they are chosen that there's nothing that they could do to separate them from the love of god would grace fall down right now and wash clean right now in every way and make new in every way god i break guilt right now in the name of jesus and lord i just pray god we don't have to walk out of here with our head low but our head high god you are glorified in every way we love you lord jesus we we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a big hand this morning.